Welcome to the Behaviour Bites podcast, a podcast from Changing Behaviour UK about different factors that influence behaviour in education, all in handy 15-minute-ish bite-sized chunks. Each week, a different guest chats about a different aspect of behaviour and leaves you with three handy tips. And here we are. It's uh, series two, episode one time. And for our first episode of this series, it is Debs and I who will be sharing some thoughts on the up-and-coming series, what we're reading at the moment and what behaviours look like in our settings this half term. Hi Debs. Hello. Hi Claire. It's really good to be back for our second series. Looking forward to it. Well, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourselves? Because some people might not have been introduced to you yet. Okay, so um, I've been in education for a little while, I would say. Uh, I'm currently an assistant head working in the southeast. Um, And yes, I've been uh, an assistant head for about eight years now in various schools, worked in rural schools and uh, started my training in uh, in london um had several roles that have been um where behavior has been integral so uh, and i'm really looking forward to uh chatting to people in the next few weeks on uh, their views on behavior yes i love the way you don't say how long you've worked in education you keep <laughs> sort of a, a long time but it's good for i think for listeners to know that deb's was my uh, drama teacher uh, at a school in, in cornwall that i went to so we've got this nice link of um teacher student friend colleagues um and running this podcast together is yeah it, it's super fun doing it with with the teacher that in, inspired me when i was younger so thank you for being here and yeah helping with the podcast as well yeah it's great it's it is really uh wonderful to kind of see uh how yeah that teacher-student relationship has evolved over the years into uh working on this podcast so it's really great working with you Claire and you know that I'm nearly 40 now just uh... (laughs) yeah thanks that kind of makes people work out how long I've been in teaching (laughs) I have actually started teaching people's grandchildren now Yeah. yeah it's the high life isn't it yeah yeah definitely so uh what I'm reading at the moment, um, yes. actually, I mean, I am always, I've always got an education book on the go, but I wanted to talk about uh, the book I've just read, which is a novel, which is um, called The Girl with the Louding Voice. Mm. Um, and it's, I really recommend it to, to listeners. Um, and it's just a great read and it's beautifully written, you know, from an, an English teacher and drama teacher's perspective. It's, um, it's great on all those fronts but actually it does make me think about behavior as well because it's all about voice and for me one of the things that I'm very passionate about is giving people a voice Mm. Um, and that's kind of the focus it's this this young woman who you know finds her voice through the journey of the novel Um, and I think it, it is a critical area for behavior allowing Um, a voice for students who are struggling or who are kind of railing against a system or whatever, just giving that moment for them to have their voice helps to um, alleviate the pressures. And I think, you know, the guests we're going to be speaking to in this coming series, uh, I think a lot of our topics will relate to that issue of voice um, in terms of building positive relationships. So it's a great book. So definitely give it a read. Oh, I'll put that on my list. That sounds really fascinating. It's interesting having a fiction book that we can relate to. Yeah, I guess the the real world as well. It reminds me on some training that I run, um, I talk about a quote and I slightly misquote it from Martin Luther King. So it's slightly misquoted, but it's violence is the voice of the unheard. 
So I think about some of the marginalized students that I've worked with um, and adults as well, that sometimes if we don't have our voice heard, that, that can erupt into violence because that's mm. maybe the only way, you know, that someone has their voice heard. But yeah, it just mm. reminded me of that. Yeah, it's that frustration, isn't it? And if you don't allow the, the escape of that frustration to, to just to be heard, people to be heard, it does, it can have really negative consequences. Yeah. Uh, brilliant so you're you're always reading fascinating books um i suppose i'll introduce myself um quickly and, and loosely but um i have well i've been running this podcast last series and um, i've been a teacher for about 16 years now probably making deb feel old again um <laughs> but <laughs> but um i guess my background's quite varied so i've worked in mainstream settings i've worked in mental health settings um pupil referral units um and autistic settings as well so i've got a real varied kind of background lots of those settings i've had to deal with lots of um challenging behaviors and behaviors that, that challenge me and so I kind of try and take that experience uh, mostly I try and share the mistakes that I've made with people uh, so they can learn from my mistakes and and be the best that they can be um, but I do I run um, training obviously a couple of days a week but part of my passion at the moment is working with young people three days a week in settings trying to help them reduce the risk of them getting excluded so I've developed a kind of intervention that is one-to-one -one and it's all about behavior for learning. So it isn't just mm. not that mentoring isn't useful, but it's, it's acknowledging that behavior and learning are intrinsically linked and actually mm. helping that person to feel more confident in their learning will ultimately help their goals um, of succeeding in school. So yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. So when I'm chatting on the podcast, I'm often talking about um, <laughs> experiences I've had recently, a bit of challenging behavior here and there. Um, yeah. And I, I, the book I'm reading, is always really embarrassing because I'm terrible um, at reading books in my older age. I'm not, I'm really article focused and I'm really sort of like quick fixes, but I have mm. tried to step away from reading all of the psychology books and workbooks because sort of having a rest for myself is so important I sponge up quite a lot of the the feelings that some of my young people have and and the children that I work with so actually having a rest from thinking about them and trying to problem solve is really important so it's not very cheery what I'm reading but it, it's called five and it's the untold story of the Jack the Ripper victims mm. We were saying off air, you were like, how are you going to link that to education? And I was like, I have a way that is the challenge. <laughs> I've actually purposely tried to choose something that wasn't linked to education to give myself a bit of a mental health break from, from work. But actually, when I have been reading it, it's all about... Um, the, the stories of these women that were the, the victims of Jack the Ripper, but it's not really about their deaths. It's about their lives. And it's kind of a celebration or actually it's a commiseration of the rough hands that many of these women were dealt. But in particular, because it focuses obviously on Victorian England and, and lots of um, living conditions in London, I do when I'm reading it cast a thought to some of the young people I work with in London and actually how disgusting some of their living conditions are and considering we're a century on that actually how much further have we moved on in some of those ways and literally some of the descriptions of the living conditions that some of the women um, and families were living in it's actually really not that dissimilar to some of uh, not all of the students but a few of the students that I work with in, in really cramped housing you know and it, it talks quite a lot about 
you know the the diseases are going around in victorian england and it kind of is weird a century on to read it and just think oh my gosh those marginalized families living in those living conditions now that's the reason yeah. why you know covid is so prevalent so i knew i'd be able to find a link it's not a cheery link because the yeah. <laughs> quite uh, depressing i really recommend the book though it's amazing and it's the first time in my adult life please don't judge me for this but i've read a book that really centers on the past um mm. past the edwardian period because i've got a i don't know why a block of reading historical things and i've loved it so yeah mm. new new uh, new path for me in my reading maybe sounds good it is good but um i guess it'd be good for us to to have a chat about this series and and what we've got planned um what do you reckon Debs? what what do you think of our plan and, and who we've got coming on? Oh, I'm really looking forward to uh, speaking to all our guests. We've got a really good range of uh, people in different roles in education settings. Um, and I think that's going to be really interesting for the listeners. And, and also, you know, hopefully we'll get uh, differing views and opinions from those people and, um, and a few threads that we can pick up at the end of the series to kind of um, to consider and, and move, move us forward on our thinking about behaviour yeah i think the range of guests is always really important for me on the podcast uh, although i've blatantly got some of my mates um that i work with quite closely as well and and you know and uh, we've got um john perkins who uh, deb's taught his brother as well so it's always like a cornish link isn't there on the podcast yeah. <laughs> but um but i hope and you know and and Debs and I have planned it quite carefully that we have got that range so we you know from head teachers to support staff uh, to um you know an expert in the field just a real range of, of different voices and what what they think about behavior and what's going on for them and I, I hopefully this comes across this series that we've tried to plan it so it does come full circle like Deb said so we can do a bow at the end and kind of consolidate what everyone has said on their different topics but we try to choose topics that are super practical for classroom practice because last series we focused more on bigger topics didn't we Deb's kind of more around you know inclusion anxiety mental health so quite really really big topics uh, but this series we've really gone smaller and we've, we've sort of zoomed in and thinking about particular areas that that are really useful for classroom practitioners so yeah we want to definitely to try and um focus in a little bit more and uh so to support practitioners in their classrooms in their school school settings um to give some really specific uh ideas and guidance for improving behavior and, and working on behavior yeah and i can't i can't wait yet yeah, to crack on an, an interview and i always take away uh, it's, it's like cpd for me uh, doing th these as well uh, i learn so yeah. much uh, from different people um but i wanted us to spend the episode i guess for us as this introduction one thinking about what behaviors look like in our settings this half term because we did an episode last series thinking about what we thought the impact of covid would be um, i haven't listened to that one for a while so i dread to think what we thought and what we predicted uh, but, but i wonder if you could reflect on that um from your setting debs yeah so uh, i'm uh, if i didn't say earlier in secondary setting um, and it has uh, been a really interesting and challenging half term and 
and reading the sort of comments from edu twitter you can see that everyone is having very similar experiences that it's yeah. it's not straightforward i think in terms of the students coming back into school um there was a sense of real enthusiasm for students coming back in and i've actually sort of had staff say um you know in the first in the early weeks actually behavior was quite improved because mm. students were so you know keen most students were so keen to get back in um obviously we had students who weren't keen and were worried and there was a, quite a bit of anxiety and we did have sort of you know students who who had attendance issues those attendance issues tend to be sort of more um pronounced because of concerns about covid but the majority of students were keen to come back in and they're and keen to kind of get into the routines and systems that they'd kind of not had for so long um so that was a sort of initial um kind of response in half term but also then the challenge for staff and students when you know some students may have to self-isolate etc and then kind of that challenge of blended learning so some being taught remotely mm. etc so um one of the things that i've been working on this half term is i created um, a matrix of, of sort of expected behaviors for students for uh, working online working remotely um, just as a reminder to students that behavior expectations don't stop because you're working from home um, you know and and kind of specific behaviors that you might not have to deal with when you're face to face in school crop up you know the way in which you use a remote learning the way in which you engage on chat um, the way in which you uh, engage full stop you know and you know do you just switch your computer on and then go off and make a cup of tea and come back you know how do you how do you manage that behavior so there's been quite a few challenges in terms of behavior and trying to preempt any negative behaviors through sort of positive reminders and explicitly teaching students how to behave online if they find themselves working remotely because of being isolated etc and i think unfortunately you know we're going to have to be planning for that for next half term um, and making sure that we are putting things in place with our staff with our students to preempt any kind of uh, problems in that regard but it's going to be a challenge because I know um, we've spoken before about it that you you did a period or a stint um, teaching online with a already set up um, institution. So their business, not their business, but their school is um, on, online anyway. How did you find that with behaviour with sort of more vulnerable kids and? Um, it was a really if it's we were very well set up because it was a school that was very much used to teaching online because it that was their business. Um, so it had quite a good, um, al already good sort of structure for um, monitoring, managing behaviour. But you still had the same issues one, in terms of, you know, if a student didn't want to engage, mm -hmm. it's actually much harder when you're not face to face. So, you know, if you've got a student who, um, you know, logs in but doesn't really log in with their brain and how do you get them to respond or you might get students who try to distract from the learning mm. and uh, the same strategies apply so um yeah it was challenging because it was the first time uh for me that i was teaching remotely um but the same kind of sort of strategies of constant re encouragement reinforcement communication with parents um small steps with those individual students you know uh, the students I was working with a lot of them you know had sort of high levels of emotional um, 
uh, and emotional, social and emotional issues and mm. some distress and anxiety. So it was the same sort of strategies, but it's just about, you know, there are already barriers when you're working with students in that way face to face, but then you have this additional barrier of working online. So it's about finding ways to kind of break down those barriers by speaking to families on the phone and um, being very gentle in the way that you manage the students online and lots of um, responses, you know, um, in the chat box and uh, on the microphones to sort of say, yeah, you know, you can do it and lots of positive encouragement and praise to get their students to engage and had quite a lot of successes with with those students. That's it. That's interesting. I was just thinking I, I, run, I run training online and I love the mute button. Not that I would cut someone off or a participant that was saying something, but the ability if there's background noise or anything, just to be able to mute everyone. I was like, that's that brilliant. I haven't done any online teaching with students because I think partly some of the settings that I work with for safeguarding reasons aren't always set up to have it running so unlike the school i guess that, that you've worked for where they were already set up pre-covid yeah. like that was that their line of work that it's kind of like scrabbling around in the dark and knowing what you can and can't do mm -hmm. so when um i've had a period where i've had to um isolate um because of covid but we don't have the system set up where i could do an online session with one of my students because we don't we haven't quite figured out the safeguarding around it and the kind of the rules around it i work freelance as well which i suppose doesn't help but mm. yeah it's just it's so difficult isn't it to navigate all of the the safeguarding elements the engagement the behavior it's, it's really yeah. yeah absolutely it's really important to have those protocols and those processes and systems in place and the staff are really secure and yeah knowledgeable about what 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 is safe and what isn't i think that's really important to make sure your staff are well trained and and are clear about the rules etc i think one of the functions i had uh, working for the school i was working with uh, was that you could actually um, move the chat completely off grid wow. so it became distracting which was great because you literally with a click of a button you can move the whole chat out have a conversation with the students and, and they love having the chat because they can in, in in the system I was using they could also communicate with each other um, and uh, so it was kind of a, a very quick right I can bring the chat back but we need to <laughs> the work and the learning and, and that actually was um usually sufficient I but yeah mute, mute bunny button can be handy <laughs> yeah um or the swipe away i love that now as yeah. well yes we'll take that away yeah. but actually all you're describing is putting a boundary in place aren't you um and yeah. i guess all of you know all of the things we're going to talk about on the podcast with our guests this series um you know it's about adapting and applying it, it mm. online i suppose okay. then i was thinking our plan we, we haven't planned to have a, a whole episode about online um, um teaching and, and behavior but that should be really useful yeah be, yeah so maybe we'll do a little bonus one and pick your brains yeah. and, and go into that in, in more yeah. depth um, i think the other thing is about um uh you know just making sure that any kind of and I think this uh, has come up from our previous podcast and I'm sure will come up in our discussions with our guests, but this kind of making sure we're teaching behavior explicitly, not it's about that not assuming that students will know how to behave working remotely or working in the classroom and just that kind of underlining that message is really important, I think. 
Yeah, I know. And but that's the same for staff, though, as well, isn't it? That I've heard some horrendous stories about people logging on to Zoom meetings in their dressing gown in bed and <laughs> not sticking to usual working practices because it's all different. Yeah. Um, so it's everyone, isn't it? Navigating the, the behaviours needed for, for online teaching. Yeah. And we're all learning, aren't we? We're all learning because, you know, it's a whole new world out there for all of us. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty frightening. Um, I suppose just thinking about my settings that I work in and, and how it's been thinking about behaviour and it's really similar to what you said, Debs, about having that it's almost like that honeymoon period of the kids I think were were so excited to be back. And actually, even though sometimes they might say they hate us, particularly in the pupil referral unit that I work in, they love coming in. They come in, their attendance is wonderful in that setting. And when the doors opened, they came flooding back in somewhat early for breakfast yeah, wow. and things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that honeymoon period only has a, you know, a period of time where actually we're starting to see it rub away a little bit. And we're starting to see, uh, I don't want to call them old behaviours, but we're starting to see... I guess uncertain behaviours and anxiety-based behaviours because lots of our young people in both the settings that I work in and children are just they just don't know what is certain um, in their lives at the moment. So in both schools that I work in, we've had um, oh actually only in one of them we've had a, a short closure um, and we've had uh, different staff obviously being off, so everything's always up and down. And in particular, I work with um, some children with autism um, and that uncertainty is really taking its toll on those children. So, I, you know, at the start, they kind of held it together. But now with so many staff absences, so many changes, some, you know, closures, um, last minute changes, all of that's creating this whirlwind of uncertainty, particularly mm -hmm. for those children. And so I really worry how this is all going to affect them long term. And part of what I'm passionate about doing really is trying to reduce exclusions. And I'm really worried about next half term, um, not necessarily about my specific lovely group because I go in and they've got that support from me, but yeah. thinking bigger picture of those kids sort of on the fringes that don't have that support. And I think, I think not next half term, Oh, it is a half term, isn't it? Till Christmas, but that, that term's tricky anyway. Mm. Um, and I think it's that stop starty nature that we may be faced with again, or, you know, for schools who've not experienced it yet um, is going to be one of the biggest challenges that continuity and that routine and that safety that schools provide. We need to find a way of making sure that we can create a consistency that might be interrupted, but the through line is consistency yeah. and support. Um, and that's, that's going to be the challenge that we're all going to face, I suspect. It is. I think I know I try and create as much consistency with the students that I see as possible. So if they are isolating or off at the time where I'd normally have them, I'll phone home and try and speak to them if, if possible. I often can't get through because it's often a parent or carer that's at work that I end up speaking to that isn't even with the student because most of them are secondary aged at the moment. And it, I guess it's having those check ins and that consistency mm -hmm. can help to to make those children still feel wanted and accepted in school even if they are isolating but yeah it's it's tough and I have noticed that our particular vulnerable children that that have good attendance but historically have had 
behavior that challenges and they are really difficult and you know that's probably not the 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 right word to use but that they are challenging and they do challenge staff and I'm finding with those kids now that because of the stop start nature they haven't had the chance to build the relationships with their teachers Mm -hmm. or there's just no chance for them to do it because it's so stop start because the teacher might be off and then the student might be off for various reasons and then you're, you're left six weeks in and maybe have attended you know 10 out of 30 lessons uh, with that that classroom teacher it might be supply so I think it's those kids next term that are going to suffer I'm sounding all doom and gloom I don't mean yeah. to um but yeah I'm yeah a bit not panicked about it but I just I know that permanent exclusions have to happen sometimes but most of the stuff that I've done throughout my career is just trying to minimize that. And I'm just like, Oh, I don't know how we do that because actually those kids can't build those relationships. They don't have that certainty. So behavior is going to communicate something. Yeah. Um, I mean, on the positive side, I've definitely this term, this half term had really positive uh, continuity with some students who actually in school have, um, maybe not been um you know good on their behavior but actually they they've operated really well so there are some you know some in the opposite direction that work really well and they don't have their peers around them to kind of play up to and and actually have really engaged well and then they've come back in and uh you know you've got lots of positives to say oh you were brilliant when you were working remotely you know let's crack on and let's carry on so i think um can be done but um oh, yeah lots of challenges <laughs> <laughs> i was off on one i was off on a negative spiral thank god we've all been there <laughs> and, like, and actually you reminded me that i have had a, a, a couple of students that have made a massive turnaround in their behavior yeah. um because lockdown was really positive for them in the sense that they were able to build relationships at home um less yeah Yeah, so and Mm. yeah we've seen some some really lovely things so i got out of my negative spiral (laughs) and my worrying constantly worrying about things um i suppose i i forgot to check the time deb so we're probably way over 15 minutes because we're we're nattering on and we ended up always it's it's (laughs) always over 15 minutes but uh, it's really interesting about yeah the online uh, behavior stuff but maybe we can um think about putting in a little bonus episode about that because i think yeah i think it'd be really useful hopefully if um yeah for our listeners fab well we're not going to do uh top tips because actually the whole uh, series has loads of top tips and we'd just be repeating <laughs> other people's top tips <laughs> um but thank you so much debs for for having a chat about this and i'm i'm really looking forward to this series it's going to be a good one yeah i'm really looking forward to it too so um yeah do uh, have a listen to them and uh, if anyone's out there who listens and, and would like to contribute just get in touch with claire i'm sure she'd be interested to hear from you I love the way you like get in contact with Claire and not you. So I can, <laughs> you can get in contact with me as well. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Debs, well, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, catch up soon. Yeah, catch up soon. Bye. Bye. That was the Behaviour Bites podcast brought to you by Changing Behaviour UK. You can follow us on Twitter at Bites underscore podcast. To keep up with training and events, Changing Behaviour Running, you can subscribe to our email list on the Changing Behaviour website. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes or wherever you listen. And thank you for listening to us.